What's up, everyone? Dustin Bass here with just a quick little request. If you enjoy our podcast, could you do us a huge favor and leave us a rating and a review? The reason we ask you to do that is because when we get more ratings and reviews, more people are able to find the show. So if you're enjoying the content that we're putting out, we would greatly appreciate if you helped spread the word. So leave us a rating, leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Thanks so much. And let's get on with the show. Oh man, what's up everyone? Welcome to the Sons of History podcast. I'm Dustin Bass and Alan Joachim is actually out on a road trip. He's on uh, somewhat of a vacation out in Arizona. So he's been doing some traveling uh, shortly after Thanksgiving. So he's not going to be on the show Um, But stay tuned to Facebook. He will be posting videos, and I believe he's going to meet up with an old friend of the show, Joe Wolverton, uh, and have some discussions with him. I'm pretty sure they're going to put up a video. Uh, But before we get started into the conversation on today's show, I'm going to give you my book and movie recommendation. One's intense, one's not so intense. Uh, The book recommendation is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. So, this is an old Chinese military uh, document, book, however you want to put it. Uh, It was written around 2,500 years ago. Really good stuff. And at the same time, when you look at the way that China still conducts itself, uh, especially militarily, and they have a quote-unquote modern Uh, view of warfare, which is called unrestricted warfare. Uh, You can sort of see how that ties in to the theories um, and just the military strategy put uh, put together by Sun Tzu. So, good book. uh, Highly recommend it. And I think that it will uh, help you in your personal life, especially if you apply the principles um, in sort of your everyday life. Uh, to an extent, maybe not conducting those principles, all of them, but understanding in a lot of ways, this is how people think and uh, actually uh, conduct maybe even business uh, via military strategy, just so you can sort of be one step or a few steps ahead of the game. Uh, A lot of people do this not even realizing that they're doing it, that it's part of military strategy. So you can always be ahead on that. All right, my movie recommendation. Since last week I did uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, I'm going to go ahead and for the rest of the month, uh, we're about to enter into December. I'm going to go ahead and dedicate uh, the month to the holiday Christmas. So this one is going to be Charlie Brown Christmas. Look, if you've never watched Charlie Brown Christmas, you're missing out. You really are missing out. And I think I said that about the Thanksgiving one. I think I probably say that about a a lot of the movies, but it's such a good, uh, fun Christmas movie. Very short, um, very enjoyable though. A really good way to uh, bring in the season. And I think I've done a pretty good job here at the house um, bringing in the Christmas season. I put up the, the Christmas tree, put up the Christmas lights outside, all that jazz. Going to probably do a few more things, but I think that you should do the same thing. And I did notice this. I brought this up um, not too long ago. It was probably, I want to say it was end of summer. And I forgot where I was, but I was 
walking through some big box store, let's say like a Walmart, and I saw some Christmas stuff already up. This was well before Thanksgiving. I mean, well before uh, um, Halloween. Boy, if I could just get that word out. Well before Halloween. And I was like, that is really weird. And yet at the same time, I felt some type of, you know, there was a bit of like joyous, you know, I'm like, oh man, that really helps alleviate the insanely crappy year of 2020, uh, 2020 that we've been having. So I was like, man, I bet you anything that somebody is out there uh, putting this together and like, look, this year has been so bad. Why don't we start putting out the Christmas stuff now? And I guarantee you that people will start buying it up early and will actually make more money this year. So that was something I brought up to uh, some friends of mine. I was like, do you think that that's sort of like a psychological thing that they're they're putting out there? And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like it. And lo and behold, I started seeing um, early, way earlier than, than most of my friends end up putting Christmas stuff up. They started putting Christmas stuff up and they were like, I just got to get through this year. This helps me cope with 2020, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, pretty interesting stuff. Art of War. I would say. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about the importance of what is going on in this country post-election. Uh, I'm quite certain that you have come across um, the the stories and, and the news and the articles about uh, the litigation that's been going on uh, post-election. This is, this is very interesting. Look, this year has been off the charts, weird, um, unprecedented, and, and just chaotic. This is the most, this election, this 2020 election actually, was the most pre-election, pre-election, most litigated in the U.S. history, pre-election. Um, I think approximately 300 lawsuits were filed uh, that were primarily from the DNC and, and Democrats uh, about trying to loosen up the restrictions on uh, voting, whether that was uh, mass voting by mail, uh, whether that was extending deadlines or uh, for counting votes, or whether that was increasing the, the time that was allowable to do early voting, uh, whether that was, okay, voter registration, uh, can we change the way uh, that they, they, they look at these ballots, do the, do the names, do the signatures have to match up, all of this stuff. It's like 300 lawsuits. Um, and so it, it was the pre-election most litigated in U.S. history, and now it is the most litigated post-election in U.S. history. Uh, there have been more than 40 lawsuits filed primarily in, uh, in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Wisconsin. Uh, and, and so these are all obviously swing states. And so I want to quote a, an article from the Associated Press. Now, this was in September 30th. So it says the article, the, um, it says the race is already regarded as the most litigated in American history due in large parts uh, to the massive expansion of mail and absentee voting. Loyola Law School professor Justin Levitt, a former Justice Department elections official, has tallied some 260 lawsuits arising from the coronavirus. The Republican National Committee says it's involved in more than 40 lawsuits. 
And a website operated by a chief Democrat lawyer lists active cases worth watching in about 15 states. So there's been, uh, you have probably, if you've been paying attention, you'll, you'll notice that uh, a lot of issues that have been arising post-election are in large part due to pre-election litigation that was uh, allowed, uh, that was allowed, and then they they made changes, whether the Secretary of State, the state legislature, the governor, however, you know, changes were made um, in, in, in states or in counties, and it's very, very odd uh, that so many things were changed. Uh, and it was really the tell of two, I guess, uh, requests. One, loosening uh, relaxing the voting restrictions and those who wanted to keep them strict. I mean, like, look, we understand that the coronavirus is is out there, um, but it doesn't mean that you can't vote in a timely manner. Even if you are going to do melon uh, voting, you can at least request the melon ballot uh, instead of having uh, secretaries of states or people working in. Um, in like a county uh, or in a, or in a city, and just willy nilly just sending out melon ballots uh, unrequested. So there was a lot of things that were that were done where it was like, okay, maybe maybe make it easier due to the coronavirus um, for people to vote, but don't make it to the point where it is just uh, it opens the door for massive fraud and irregularities and even if not fraud and irregularities but things to get just lost or not counted uh, I did a talk the other night on on Thursday night on Instagram talking about look if you do vote by mail let's just say it's not anything about fraud or irregularities you actually do increase the chances of your vote not getting counted whether it's because, uh, the postal service in typical form uh, loses your ballot uh, or the, the ballot just gets crumbled and crushed and so it really can't be scanned. Uh, whether it is, you know, well, we've got millions of ballots in here and all these people did it wrong. Well, it's too late to, you know, let them know or we don't have time to, you know, have these people come in, different things like that. Or if they try to reach out to you, they won't be able to reach you in time. So it's, it, I, I discuss like, look, if you can, and, and you most likely could, uh, just go vote in person. And it would have uh, made things much easier. But that's, that's just one of those things. And there were a lot of people on the Democrat side who have been saying, you know, for decades, this is, this is typically uh, the, the, the take on voter suppression is that is the one that is always thrown out there. Well, any type of restriction, any type of tightening up uh, the how people vote is voter voter suppression. It's all about voter suppression. When in, in fact, it's like, look, this is the most important thing we can do as American citizens is vote is let um, let the country know how we feel about things and let the you know, the legislatures and, and, and the governors and, and uh, from national to state legislatures uh, and the president and everybody in between, let them know how we feel uh, and what we want to be done. If we want changes, uh, if we want to continue moving forward, it's the most important thing that we do. And 
we've gotten to the point where we've litigated ourselves into this doesn't really mean anything. So uh, let's just make it as easy as possible to where we don't even have to, you know, we don't even have to get out of our PJs. We don't even have to get out of our, you know, our own house to go vote, which is extremely, extremely important. And I just don't think it's, it gets taken seriously. And then when you have irregularities in mass, people are like, wait a minute, why, why is that? Why did that happen? Well, it's sort of the writing on the wall. Like this is just what is going to happen. And what's interesting is that a lot of this was, was predicted uh, before the election. I know President Trump was talking a lot about, look, you're going to have a lot of issues because of these, one, the melon uh, voting. So you, you, you have that. But not just that, unrequested ballots sent in mass. That's going to create havoc because then you're going to have people, and, and we've heard stories about this, to where uh, somebody shows up to vote in person. They're like, oh, no, you've already voted. And they're like, no, I didn't. So uh, these were situations that were destined to happen. Why? Because we do live in a society, and a society is made up of people, and people, uh, maybe not majority, but at least a, min a minority, even if it's a small minority, are corrupt people. They just look for ways to do things illegal or just to cause problems. So it, when you make it easier for that to take place, well, that ends up taking place. So President Trump predicted there would be issues. A lot of other people uh, predicted there would be issues. Um, and then you have, um, there was a, there's a company called Hawkfish, Hawkfish, Hawkfish Data. Uh, it's a data company owned by Mike Bloomberg. And they were interviewed on Axios, which is, uh, which is HBO. And this was on September 1st. And the guy who was, who was answering the questions was saying, this is how it's going to go. Um, and let me know if this sounds familiar. He said, look, on election night, it's going to look like President Trump has won by a landslide. But as more ballots come in over the coming days and week, and obviously he was, you know, he didn't think that it was, he was like maybe like November 10th or whatever. I was like, look, from my perspective, and y'all, if y'all have listened to the, the podcast or the Thursday night show, you know that I said, look, this is not going to end anytime soon. I anticipate it going to the end of November into early December uh, before any of this gets uh, figured out. One, because you had uh, the Bush Gore in 2000 be decided, uh, what, 36, 37 days in? So you were into December before all that got uh, fixed. And that was just one state. And that was just over votes of like, what, 550 votes, something like that. But anyways, um, you had this guy from Hawkfish saying, you're going to see Trump have a, you know, a landslide victory uh, on that first night. But as more votes come in, uh, they are going to go to Biden and Biden is going to win. And um, he said, you know, more or less, you're going to have, uh, well, Axios was sort of saying, well, this is probably going to create some real issues. Um, they're like, you can sort of tell when this happens, 
uh, the Trump administration is going to say, all right, this thing has been rigged. Uh, it's a rigged election. Um, there's going to be, uh, Biden is going to declare victory. So there's a lot of stuff that was put out there um, that was that has has come to come to come to be. Uh, Bernie Sanders said the same exact thing uh, on October 23rd on the Jimmy Fallon show. He more or less just said, look, this is how it's going to go. But the melon ballots are going to overtake uh, Trump. Now, interestingly enough, um, all this has happened in uh, swing states. You know, this is this, like all this has happened in what? Uh, the, the states that were won in 2016 by Trump by pretty small margins. Uh, you had, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania. So these these states are swing states, and you got Georgia, and you've got Arizona and Nevada that are really really tight, really close. And it's interesting that all this all these abnormalities, which I'll get to in a second, uh, happened in swing states. And I, I I'm getting to a point of why what is happening with the lawsuits is important. So. I don't want it to come across like I'm just running through everything that you've already heard. Um, But also with the swing states, don't forget the other swing states, which were North Carolina, Virginia, and Maine. Uh, Maine, you may be like, wait a minute, what? Well, consider uh, Maine actually has uh, three votes and what was it? Two of them went to Joe Biden. One of them went to Trump. So yeah, it's a bit of a swing state. Um, And then you have, um, so you had some interesting stuff going on in North Carolina and Virginia, like uh, one, taking so long to finish up those votes. Uh, There were a lot of late night votes coming in, uh, in mass. And this is something that Trump tweeted out. I think it was the night of the election. Like we don't want votes coming in at 4 a.m. And interestingly enough, a lot of those votes, hundreds of thousands of votes, came in around that time. It was very, very strange. And then, of course, you had uh, the late night in Georgia where everybody was like, all right, we're going, everybody's going home. We're, we're done counting. We're going to start up in the morning. Well, all the GOP um, poll watchers left. And all, <laughs> all the counters and the Democrat poll watchers stayed and they continued counting. Interesting, really sinister type stuff going on right there. Uh, you had the Dominion software, which is really coming to the limelight here lately. Uh, Smartmatic, which is coming to the limelight. The software that is that supposedly had a quote-unquote glitch in its software. Um, yeah, so that, that was really brought to light in, what, Michigan? And that ended up turning over actually a, um, an outcome, I think, for a state representative. Uh, he thought he had lost, and then the glitch was discovered, and all of a sudden, you have uh, him Him ended up winning. Uh, you had the missing USB drive um, that was in Wisconsin, uh, so that was a strange thing. You've also, you've also had some stuff um, here in, in Pennsylvania regarding USB drives. There was a, a witness talking about that. That was insane. Um, then you had the extending for three days, uh, in Pennsylvania that was, you know, extending the, you know, collecting ballots. And interestingly enough, I've talked about this on Thursday night. Uh, Hey, 
uh, we can extend it three days, but it needs to be postmarked. The law written in was it needs to be postmarked by November 3rd, but it can also be accepted if there is no postmark or if the postmark is not legible. So, I mean, come on. So you also have another situation. This is a pivotal time, not just, you know, every four years or even every two years, but this is a pivotal time apparently in American history because there is a lot at stake. If you've been paying attention to uh, the two sides, they really couldn't be further apart. And really, it's pretty indicative of the current American society where research has shown that Americans on the left and the right have never been more divided. Well, the politics reflect that. Um, the Republican side wants to go more of, hey, we need to focus America first, sort of a nationalistic approach. Uh, let's take care of our people first and let's you know not get so involved in, in the things of of whatever is going on in the world, whether it's, whether it's the, the Paris Climate Accord, um, whether it's, you know, getting involved in, you know, the foreign wars in the Middle East, where let's bring in the troops. Um, and then you have the ones on, on the left, the Democrat side, it's like, no, we need to be involved in the, in the fight to, you know, stop climate change, or we need to go more of a socialistic uh, approach uh, to how how we do business, uh, we need to shut down uh, some industries in order to give rise to a new industry. So it's it's really indicative, like I said, of how things look on on the surface here in America, and social media has not helped with this cause of just allowing people to. Uh, make this, make the tweets, make the posts, whatever it is that they want to, without um, some type of censorship or outright suppression. Now it's interesting on the left and the right. You you have a, a sticker of "I voted," uh, a picture of you know, "Hey, I voted," or "I wouldn't voted," or you have it in your you know your description, and whoever Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, YouTube even has it. It's just like, oh, you know, here's some election information or whatever. It's just like, hey, I got a question. You know, this stuff in the election looks really questionable. And then, you know, there's the automatic, um, the automatic post uh, right below that says, uh, you know, uh, everything is fine. Everything is good. Nothing to see here. Uh, elections, especially mail-in ballots, uh, have always been secure. Uh, the, the chances of fraud are extremely rare. It's always, it's always, it's nonstop. And that's happened. That's happening on, on both. It's just an algorithm. They see a picture or they see a, a specific word and it automatically gets, uh, that censorship. Now, social media has gone, these giants have gone so far as to shut down or highly censor, uh, certain political figures. Uh, even even President Trump has been himself, the President of the United States has been censored. It's so it's so odd. And look, you you may you may think, look, I don't really like President Trump. Yeah, censor him. Look, 
if you can censor the president of the United States, they can do way worse to you. They can just shut your voice down and be like, yeah, now, now go, go do something, you know, by yourself, go start a garden. Um, another guy that was not just censored, but his account on Twitter was suspended was state Senator Mastriano out in Pennsylvania. This guy did a, a, a speech, uh, during it was, uh, they were doing a hearing and listening to, I think Rudy Giuliani, uh, discuss his case and the accusations. And so he said, look, we've got to get to the bottom of this. Well, that speech really went viral. And all of a sudden his Twitter account is suspended. And then Twitter comes out and like, oh, that was done in error. And like to the point where we, we've got to get to the point where we're just like, look, e- enough with just outright lying about it. We, we, we see what's going on. There's a specific narrative in everything going on in this country, not just about the election. Uh, there is a specific narrative. There are specific narratives that are accepted and that are echoed or that are allowed to be echoed, which is sort of like if you ever if you ever pay attention on Twitter, you'll see that something is is trending, right? It's just like, this one's trending. It's got 245,000, you know, hashtags of a specific kind. And there's like, there's another one that's like 70,000, 50,000, you know. And then you've got one that's like 2,100. And you're like, but it's a, about a specific narrative, whether it's climate change or whether it's, you know, social justice of some kind, it's, it's a specific narrative. It's just like, this isn't trending. There are tens of millions of users on Twitter, you know, getting like 7,000, you know, things, you know, tweeted on a hashtag. That's not trending. Like, come on. Uh, Especially in comparison. And, And especially when you see them not in numerical order, they'll do that a lot. Now, Section 230, and I've talked about this, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act needs to be addressed. And obviously, you've had, uh, you've had Google, you've had Twitter, you've had Facebook, uh, the, the owners, the CEOs brought before the Senate here twice in the past month, I believe. Now, they've been brought forward talking about censorship talking about having too much power. And a lot of people will say, well, Dustin, they are private companies. So they're allowed to do whatever it is that they want to do. They do have guidelines that you have to abide by. Interestingly enough, here in the past week, you may have gotten an alert on your email or something. Uh, If you are on Twitter or on Instagram or on YouTube or Facebook, or if you use MailChimp, uh, if you use any of these uh, large uh, corporations that you know utilize um, social media primarily or uh, just online, uh, just contacting people online, because uh, I, I say MailChimp because they put one out. It's an updating of their terms of service. And this is all happening like right you know, in, in sequential order. 
Uh, all of them were updating their terms of service, which is going to be very interesting to see what all that means comes next year. Should be pretty interesting. Now, with that, they are private companies, and so they are able to sort of apply their own rules to an extent. They can uh, censor or kick you off of their platform for breaking certain rules. However, according to Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, they are supposed to be acting equivalent to what uh, an open forum is, an open public space. Um, let's say, for instance, a park or in front of a federal building or in front of your state capitol, right? You're supposed to be able to say uh, and do whatever it is that you want to do as long as it's not injuring someone uh, and as long as it's not like sexually inflammatory or, you know, pornographic or something along those lines. But there, those restrictions are very limited in scope and these online social media these social media platforms were supposed to be in line with that and slowly but surely they have changed over the past number of years they have slowly but surely become more restrictive and have in, engaged in more censorship uh, they've engaged in shadow banning. We remember that situation uh, not too long ago on Twitter. Um, and you've also seen it to where out of the blue, uh, people who more or less make their living on YouTube, well, they're demonetized because it goes against uh, maybe their political leanings. And it's, and it's very obvious what the political leanings are for these media companies, i.e. since they're out in California. Uh, nothing wrong with having your political leanings, but it, there is something wrong when a majority of communication that is conducted by the American people is done through these social media platforms and that speech is censored. It's very un-American and you can make the, the argument, well, they're private companies. Well, they're private companies that made an agreement with the government of the United States to act in a specific way, which was to act as an open forum, a public platform, a public forum, and not like a publisher. But now they have become publishers. And that's the big question. And that's the big issue. It's like, if President Trump were to win... There is a good chance that that Section 230 will really get pushed uh, by him to get changed or updated or eliminated altogether. Who knows? Um, so you've also had, you know, you had you, know, you had Trump censorship. You've had our per everybody's personally getting censored uh, whenever you post anything about the election, for sure. Um, the state senator from Pennsylvania. You also had the New York Post article about Hunter Biden. We all remember that strange situation to where they they kept people from being able to share that article, uh, whether that was on their own feed or whether that was through direct uh, messenger. And so they said, well, all you got to do is take down the article and then we'll open your account back up and then you can re repost it. And Jack Dorsey, you know, 
Unbelievable. Jack Dorsey tried to defend it uh, during that Senate hearing. And it was like, dude, it does not make any sense. You just reopen. Well, they have to take it down. And what it is, is about compliance. Well, the New York Post stood strong. um, And after two weeks, they reopened that account. They gave them access to their own account again. So this is what's been going on. The media has not been helping either. Um, I have I, I reached out to a friend of mine who teaches journalism, and I said, you know what? If I was still in the industry, I would be I would be I would kill to be on one of these stories or or part of this that's going on just because there's so many issues uh, post election that need that have to be looked into. And the media, the mainstream media, are doing such a piss poor job of really investigating into, all right, hmm, what what is actually going on? I was reading a, a fact check from Reuters uh, earlier before getting on the show. And it's just like, you're not even doing any investigating. You're just saying, okay, this is, this is what we've been able to find according to uh, what somebody else says. And you're like, really? That's that's what you're you're going off of. You're not even going to investigate. And Reuters is a huge company. It's a huge publication. It's a huge journalist journalistic company. It's just like you're supposed to be doing the job. But we, you know, the media has gotten so caught up in you know, let's do these fact checks. Let's just get caught up in fact check. And it's just like it's it's ridiculous because they know two things about the American people today. One is, you know, and this is not one of the two things, but our attention span is, has gotten so small over the decades, it's ridiculous. Um, But they know two things. One, way more often than not, people will just read the headlines and then they'll share that. And the headline, and I, I read one today before getting started on this show by the Associated Press. And I was like, holy crap, like this is such a misleading headline. It's insane because going right into the article, it's like the article and the headline are very, you know, it's very deceptive. Uh, And that's one of the tricks. It's like, look, we know that people will just read the headlines. It doesn't matter. Uh, You can get this from, you know, I read one the other day on, on the Independent from the UK just trash, just garbage. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and so the media has gotten to the point where they they understand those two things. They understand that we're just going to read the headline and two, that when it's a fact check, people will just scroll down and see if it's true or mostly true or mostly false or completely false or pants on fire. Those are the two things that they rely on. Uh, they rely on singularly, however, that the American people will be lazy and not look into stuff. But I, I, I feel that at least um, the, the listeners to this show are not lazy. They will look into stuff and they will demand more from uh, the media, social media, from their representatives, uh, from politicians uh, across the board, and, and maybe even from, from each other. I think one of the things that needs to be uh, revisited is the 1964 case Sullivan versus New York Times, which has allowed the media to more or less get away with fabricating stories 
um, or making salacious uh, accusations without real proof. And they've been able to rely on, well, I was told this, how could I know that I was not being told the truth? Or um, this is an anonymous source, and anonymous sources have become so commonplace that now it's almost impossible to bring these people to court because it's nonstop. You open up just a regular newspaper, and I, I say a newspaper because that has in, in one fell swoop, it has all the articles in there. Um, let's say, you know, you open up the New York Times. And I, I say New York Times, but, you know, we're talking about Solomon versus New York Times. And, and you look at that, and if you were to go through, let's say, every article, you would find a number of anonymous source, an anonymous source, an anonymous source. And it's gotten ridiculous. And it's also in, it also encourages lazy journalism. And when you have lazy journalism, then you end up getting, um, well, one, the fact check thing. But when you get lazy journalism, you end up missing the truth or you miss the facts on uh, a specific thing. You know, you may give like a half truth uh, or you may just take somebody at their word and be like, okay, I got one source. That's all I need. Um and, you know, I, I did a, an article a long time ago regarding that, like, it's a constant battle to keep up with the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, that has been such a detriment. The 24-hour news cycle mixed in with social media journalism. It's impossible to keep up, but there are so many journalists that feel like they have to break a story uh, first, even if it's wrong. Even if it's done in error, and they'll go and and make changes later, um, but those those changes typically uh, aren't really magnified like they are uh, when it's initially put together. You know uh, what MIT did a study a few years ago talking about that very thing. Like if if you put out a false story, chances are it's seven times more likely to get pushed and turn viral than something that's true. Now, that's a problem with just the American people, that we want to push false narratives more than the truth. So I wanted to say all of that to bring us to this point. Ladies and gentlemen, if all of these, let's just say, um, it, it, let's just say all of this, these litigations, all of these lawsuits, um, let's say that there is no fraud, uh, it's just some strangeness. Let's just say it's all above board. On its face, nothing could be further from the truth. You've had you had multiple states where late night, early morning surges of votes, just really anomalies going on. Too many anomalies for it for it to be considered. Oh, it's just an anomaly. It's, it's, it, it's fine, but it was, yes, I agree with you. It was strange, but it is fine. It was actually above board. There are way too many of these situations that have taken place from me, from my perspective, from the way that I see it, for it to just be, oh, it's just strange or just blame coronavirus. But let's just say for conversation's sake that it all is above board. It does not change the fact that we have got to, as American people, we have got to get to the bottom of this situation. Whether it's fine, whether whether Joe Biden's going to be the president or not, you know, it, whatever. 
it is very important that these lawsuits be heard, that the American people's voices be heard. Uh, you've got hundreds of affidavits that have signed, that, that are they're signed, and that means, look, they're going to go before court, and if they're lying, they're committing perjury, which is a federal crime, which means prison time, and not like a day, like prison time, like long prison time. So high stakes, like people are, people are not just making crap up. Um, now, I'm not saying that no one is making crap up, but out of the hundreds of affidavits that have been signed? No, I don't think so. Uh, there are real concerns here. And if we, as the American people, just say, oh, enough, I'm tired of fighting this battle, or look, I don't want to hear your complaints, you're just a sore loser, or whatever. Ladies and gentlemen, as much as we have found out that the Mueller investigation was based on some really fraudulent stuff, especially like the Christopher, Christopher Steele dossier, but w- when it was taking place, it was one of those things where like, look, if people are truly and genuinely concerned and they do see foul play or they see wrongdoing here, or if there is collusion with a with a foreign government, which is to an extent an enemy of America, we better look into that. And we can't take somebody's um, suggestion because they're on the other side of the political aisle as, oh, you're just a sore loser. You know, get over it. He won, blah, blah, blah. Well, on the same token, we have to look at this situation, even if it comes to nothing, even if it's a joke, even if everything is above board, we have got to look at it and we've got to make sure that, okay, all these ballots, yeah, everything's fine. Okay, there's a few issues here, but uh, not anything that can overturn the election. So, all right, but we did look into it and we did take your concerns seriously. And if we don't do that, if the justice system does not take these accusations seriously, then I don't see how the Republic can withstand it. Because one, it will take half of the country. Remember, there's like 74 million people who voted for President Trump. If a large portion of those people feel that they have been disenfranchised because the justice system did not take their concerns seriously, then you will never have an equal election. You will never have, you may have a quote unquote fair election because everything will be done appropriately, but you will have this year where millions possibly tens of millions of people will feel like there is zero point for me to get in that line and cast my vote. I'm not doing it anymore. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the importance of these lawsuits going forward, whether they wind up at the Supreme Court, whether they are are found, you know, nine to zero, this is a dumb lawsuit. Now get out of here, whether that's the case or not. But ladies and gentlemen, it must be done Um, because for such a long period of time, we've had issues 
Um, not on this grand scale, but we've had issues of like dead people voting and those things just don't get taken care of. And maybe this is just a really good moment in American history to where all of these uh, things that are, you know, scrubbing the, the, the voter ID or, or just the, the voter list uh, across uh, counties and across states uh, purging them. If, if there are people that are, you know, quote unquote, have been voting who haven't been living in that county or in that state for years or whatever, uh, get those things cleaned up. If there are still thousands of dead people in the voter rolls, get those cleared out. Eliminate the possibility of fraudulent behavior. Uh, because to an extent, when you open that door, you end up you end up incidentally creating criminals because they feel this temptation, uh, especially when power is at stake. Whether they're running for the office or not, uh, there are people who are so adamant about their Republican Party or their Democrat Party that they will make, uh, they will do things illegally just to put their person in power. And keep in mind, the reason I'm saying this is because the power, the way that our government was constructed from the beginning was to ensure that the power came from the people. You and me and Alan, the power came from us. The decision-making process ultimately comes from us. If we don't like the direction of the company, we change company, the country. (laughs) It's sort of being run by like a company. But if we don't like the direction, every two years, we can change a mass part of it. And every six years, we can change the entire landscape of the the country. From all of the senators to obviously the, the House of Representatives, you know, three times over, and then the president. So all of this is in our hands. And if we don't take it seriously, which I do believe has been a push for a long time, for the American people not to take seriously what's going on in this country, from constantly undermining the president uh, to when, whenever whoever becomes president, Biden or Trump comes in, the office of the presidency has been so undermined, I'm afraid that there will never be any more respect for it. And that is that is a, a real danger. Um, but just, yeah, keep in mind, like we are in this fight, all of us all together, Republicans and Democrats are in this fight together because there are Democrats who have come forward and signed affidavits who have said, I've seen some stuff during the election that is, that's got to be fraudulent. There's, there are just issues that are going on that have to be addressed. And so we're in this together. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. It's American. And we have to keep that in mind. So. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the show. I hope that you enjoyed the talk and understand that there is a higher purpose for why these lawsuits are put together. It's even if it even if it comes to naught, there are major concerns that have that that are out there and there are issues that have to be brought to the table and discussed thoroughly in the systems in the court system. And we have to have that voice on it. I mean, we have the election and that's our voice. But ultimately, the courts, the court system is our last 
voice. And if we don't get that, then I do believe that that will begin the end of, of the American Republic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, hate to end on a, on a, on a sour note or a depressing note, but it is just the way it is. Um, that'll bring our show to an end. Uh, if you want to, you can check us out on anywhere on social media, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and you can visit us online at thesonsofhistory.com or as Alan likes to say, www.thesonsofhistory.com. Uh, so you can also check us out on Instagram at night. I have a, I have a show that I do on Thursday night at 9 PM central time. Uh, you can check that out. Also, Alan does a Tuesday night show at 9 PM central time. You'll want to check that out. Hopefully he, when he gets back from Arizona, he'll have something special. Um, and that is it. Also, if you're listening on a podcast that allows you to leave a rating or review, please do so. Uh, Leave us a great rating, a great review. Ideally, it would be five stars, but who knows? You may hate my guts or Alan. I don't know. But anyways, also, if you can, go subscribe to us on YouTube. We are very close to hitting 1,000 subscribers, and we want to get there as soon as possible so we can start doing some live streaming. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the show. I will talk to you later. (laughs) 